last week, Vesi took us on on being sealed uh, as he introduced the, 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 the person of the Holy Spirit. Um, and I think that the Holy Spirit is a um, is very, very important uh, uh, person uh, in, 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 in the body of, of, of Christ and in the church. Um, as, I was, as I was standing there, I just remember this show called The Undercover Boss. Um, and in the undercover boss, what they would do is the boss would dress up uh, and, and go to his uh, company and be part of the people. And people would, wouldn't know that that's the boss. And that's more or the same with the Holy Spirit. If he had to come in here wearing a red cap, a green jacket, uh, in the most colorful way, we probably would not notice him unless he did certain things. Amen. And so uh, he is, uh, as Vesi had said last week, he is the, 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 the forgotten God. He is the one that most people normally would forget about, but he is very, very essential. The, hence, the title of my message today is The Holy Spirit Continued. The Holy Spirit Continued. The, 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 the foundation of our scripture comes from Ephesians 1 uh, verse 13. It will not come up uh, because we trust and we believe that you all brought your Bibles. Uh, it is, by the way, church, and at church you bring your Bible. If you do not have a Bible and you would like to, you would like one uh, for us to help you with the Bible, please feel free uh, just to go to the info hub and uh, tell them that you you would like us to help you with the Bible, and I'm sure we would be able to help you. We do have devices nowadays where you can download a Bible app. Amen. You may not, you may be shocked that you can download a Bible app. It is not only TikTok. It is not only WhatsApp. It is not only Facebook, but you can have a Bible app inside your phone. One, ver one version I use is called Version. It is a, uh, an app that I've used for years. I'm one person who doesn't really have a, a, a physical Bible, but I love my device, my Bible on my device. And so I use a, 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 an app called Version, where you can uh, download all the different types of the Bibles, Bible versions out there. Amen. And you can study the Word of God. So in Ephesians 1 verse 13, Ephesians 1 verse 13. It says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, was sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Now, most, most of us, we would not automatically think as Paul thought when, we, when, when, when he wrote about being sealed or about a seal. Because in the times that we live, we hardly use that same terminology as the way Paul would have used it. Amen. So just imagine, for example, you happen to be a mechanic and you were underneath a car. And you happen to ask for a seal. You stretched out your hand and said to your spanner boy, Paul, the apostle Paul, Paul, give me a seal. And from underneath the car, you can hear the tools uh, the sound of the tools in your tools box as Paul is looking for a seal. And when Paul finally finds a seal, there's a seal, he comes and hands something into your hand. And that thing that he hands in your hand is accompanied with heat. And you bring in your hand and you realize, nah, he, sent, he gave me something different. 
Because a seal in the times of Paul and a seal in, the t- in our times are two different things. The way we would normally use the terminology of a seal it is so completely different. Amen. So a seal as we would know it if you, and one definition I would give is that a seal is a sort of fastener which, uh, where, whereby you, you, you join two, two parts together so that you prevent those two parts from coming apart. Or it is a way of preventing anything sipping through the one part to another part or sipping out from those parts. That's what a seal is. And by using that definition, our modern definition, our picture of what a seal is, we wouldn't be very far if we applied it in the Word of God. We wouldn't be very wrong if we applied it in the Word of God. Because therefore we can say that there is now no separation between us and God. Amen. There is absolutely no separation between us and God. Nothing can slip through between us and God. We are intact and we are well placed in God. The Bible says he will never leave us nor forsake us. In the Old Testament, there was a way that you could be separated from God. The Bible says in Isaiah 59 verse 2, that your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Your iniquities have made a separation. But we live in a time where, unlike uh, the psalmist, where Paul, where David said, Oh Lord, do not take your spirit away from me. God's spirit can never depart and leave you. So there was a time where, where we, we could be separated and a sealant was needed to plug up and bridge up all the parts where it had been separated, all the parts where there was a hole or a crack. There was a need for something to happen so that it could be bridged and closed. And that happened in the New Covenant, in the New Testament. And that reality is what we are facing right now as believers. We are facing the reality of what Christ did on the cross for you and I. Amen. In Romans 8 verse 35, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of God? Who shall separate us from the love of God? Then it gives us what may separate, but it can't separate us. It says, shall tribulation, shall persecution, shall um, distress, shall nakedness, Danger and, and uh, uh, sword, shall all these things bring separation between you and God? And the answer is found in verse 38. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, verse 38, sorry, for I am convinced. You know, we live in an age where we have to be convinced about certain things. We have to be convinced and stand firm on the truth of the word of God. Where we cannot be tossed to and fro from one side to another. These days, we, people talk about being fluid. That's, that's the terminology. You need to be fluid. You need They talk about gender fluid. Where you are tossed to and fro because of ideologies and teachings and things that, 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 that the world brings to you, you move to that side. You need to be convinced. Convinced that you just didn't happen. God created you. Because if you just happened, you have no purpose in life. If you just happened, you can become anything in life. You can decide 
what your gender is. But if God created you, you have a purpose. And there is a reason you have an identity in your life. So they have taken away Genesis 1. And just by taking Genesis 1 out of the picture, we are all confused. You have to be convinced about certain things. Having done all things, stand therefore. Amen. It is important. I am convinced that neither life nor death, angels or rulers, note there's no demons there, angels or rulers, present or things to come, powers, height or depth, or anything in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If I had to use that picture or definition of a seal, my preach will end right there because there wouldn't be anything else to talk about. But the beauty about the Word of God is that it is so rich that when you study it, there is more and more and more that you can, you can, you can experience and see. The Word of God says in Psalms that God spoke once, I heard Him twice. Amen. So God can speak once and you can hear Him twice. <laughs> Charles, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> blinked his eyes. He can speak once and hear, you can hear him twice. So when we look at the seal from Paul's perspective, then we are going to get a vast understanding from what the Holy Spirit is earnestly trying to communicate to you and I. Amen. Whenever we read the Word of God, we should always read the Word of God in context. In the context of the verses around it, before and after it, in the context of the new covenant, number two, and in the context of the time that it was written in. Whenever we read the word of God and we take text from context, we do ourselves uh, a disservice and a disfavor because all we are left is, is with is a con because we have taken out the text. Amen. I know some people are now confused just by that. Amen. So, what was a seal in Paul's time? A seal was an official mark that, that was an identifier uh, which was placed on a letter, a contract, or any other document of importance. So, what they would do is they would take wax, place it on a letter, and they would heat up that wax. That's why I said if you were a mechanic and you asked Paul to give you a seal, it would be accompanied with some heat. So they would heat up that wax, and he who the letter was on behalf of would take that signet ring, and that signet ring was engraved with the family crest, the family name, or his own initials, or some royal emblem, and he would take that signet ring and press down on that wax, stamp the wax, or impress on the wax to show that he was behind that letter. Amen. So whatever was in the letter showed that whoever still was on that letter was behind the letter. Are we together? That's what used to happen. But this only didn't happen to letters, contracts, or documents. It happened also to livestock. And not only livestock, it also happened to even slaves. They would brand slaves with a seal. And that seal was permanent. It could not be erased. 
it could not be taken away. Amen. Which talks in depth about your salvation. Amen. So the Holy Spirit is saying to you, you and I, he is communicating that there is ownership, there is validation, that there is uh, authority, and there is protection from a seal. But in our time, it's not a what are we sealed with. It's a who are we sealed with. A couple of weeks ago, we had a laugh that, uh, I, 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 uh, that we, I made uh, a couple of my, my brothers of a different skin break their own language. In that, I asked them to turn to their neighbors and say, you are seated in a womb. Today, I'm going to ask you to turn to your neighbor and, uh, and say, I am sealed with a womb. Amen. In Ephesians 1 verse 13, he says, we were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? There is no better place to know about the Holy Spirit apart from the words of Jesus Christ, his own very words. In John 14 verse 16 to 17, it says the following. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, to be with you forever. Verse 17. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. A couple of things that I want us to, to note uh, before we, we proceed uh, on, uh, in, in, in uh, breaking down this into pieces for for us to, to be able to digest it. Number one, the first thing I want us to understand is that from verse 16, can you put verse 16 up? That we see the Trinity in just that one verse. We see the Trinity. There is no way in the Bible where the word Trinity ever appears. But in just that one verse, we can see the Trinity. We see God the Father. We see God the Son. And we see God the Holy Spirit all complementing each other and working together in just that one verse. Amen. Number two, verse 17. The Holy Spirit is not some impersonal force or influence. There are some groups that specifically have denied that the Holy Spirit is a divine being to the point that they even omit the word spirit in the Bible and they substituted with a phrase, God's active force. Amen. And that phrase takes away the sense of the Holy Spirit's personhood, who the Holy Spirit it truly is to you and I. It takes it away. There is solid biblical evidence in the Bible that shows that the Holy Spirit is a person, is a distinct person in his own right. Amen. He is a distinct person in his own right who functions, and his functions, we can even attribute them to what a person would do. That is who the Holy Spirit is. Jesus Christ refers to the Holy Spirit as a person by saying, him and he, masculine. Him and he. He does not refer to the Holy Spirit as a she, him, a him, him, a they, a them, a binary, or some letters of the alphabet doesn't do that. He refers to the Holy Spirit 
as a person. And what do I mean by a person? A person is, um, is, is someone who's, who has their own individuality and their own identity as a rational being. They are conscious of their existence. What makes you a person is not your physical attributes. It's not your hair, your nose, your eyes, your ears, your toes. That's not what makes you a person. What makes you a person is your feelings, your knowledge, and your will. It is your character and your personality. That is what makes you a person. And unfortunately, we live in a world where, um, where we, 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 we get our identity through what we do. You put your what you do before your name. You are Dr. So-and-so because your identity is found in what you do. Therefore, you have become your work rather than who you truly are. And for so long, we have done that to the Holy Spirit. We have identified the Holy Spirit through his works rather than through who he is. Amen. In John 14, verse 16, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. The word give implies there to give oneself for their benefit or for their advantage. To give oneself for their benefit or for their advantage. So what Jesus Christ was saying, and the Father will give of himself. He is not going to give you a substandard. He's not going to give you a substitute. He's not giving you a, a downgrade. He's not giving you a step down. He is giving himself to you. That is who the Holy Spirit is. And Jesus further emphasizes this point by saying he will give you another helper. That word another, there are two prominent words in the Greek for another. The first uh, word is called heteros. It will come up, heteros. This word means, it speaks of another in a different sort or kind. Another different in a uh, different sort or kind. It, it, uh, it may be of the same category, but it is different. So I may come to you and say, Sam, I'm going, uh, there, there, there are two ways of going to work. There is, you can go to work by car or you can go to work by bicycle. So what I've literally said to him is that I've given him two modes of transportation. Are we in agreement? I've given him two modes of transportation, which is a category. Are we in agreement? Okay. So that is the same, but they are different. They are different. Uh, one has four wheels and another has got two, two wheels, if you didn't know. Okay, so they are totally different. Another way I would say is, we could say A is equal to 1, and A is equal to 2, but 1 is not equal to 2. That's what heteros is. Then there is alos. Alos speaks of another, same in kind and sort. Same in kind and sort. So if I damage my phone, and I mentioned to you that I'm going to go and get another phone. You would know that I'm going to get another phone. But what you wouldn't know is whether I'm getting exact same phone or I'm getting another phone. Unless I came to you and expounded to you what I'm going to get or I used the Greek word. 
I'm going to get Heteros a phone. If I was using an iOS phone, Heteros would mean I'm going to get another Android phone. Are we together? If I said Alos phone, that would mean I'm going to get another iOS phone. So in John 14 verse 16, Jesus uses the word Alos. And he says, he will send another Alos comforter or helper to you. Meaning that it is the very same kind and there is absolutely no difference between him and the Holy Spirit. Are we together? So there is absolutely no difference between Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and the Father who has given himself. They're all the same. But they all have their own individuality and their own identity. Who Jesus Christ was to the disciples is what the Holy Spirit is to us at this very moment. There is absolutely no difference. Who the Holy Spirit was to the disciples, the Holy, I mean, the, who the, the Jesus was to the disciples, the Holy Spirit has literally duplicated the life and ministry of Jesus in our life right now. That is why Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will take that which is of mine and he will give it to you. He will do exactly what I would have done whilst I was here on earth. The only difference between the Holy Spirit and Jesus is that where Jesus was restricted by his humanity, time, space, place, the Holy Spirit is not restricted by any of those things. The Holy Spirit can be with the believers in Jerusalem, can be with the believers in Judea, can be with the believers in Samaria, can be with the believers in the outer parts of the world. He can be with us everywhere. There is absolutely no difference. The Holy Spirit mirrors Jesus Christ to the degree, matter of fact, to such a degree that whatever Jesus would speak, the Holy Spirit would speak. Whatever he would do, the Holy, uh, Jesus would have done, the Holy Spirit would do. Are we together? That's who the Holy Spirit is. If you want to find out more about the Holy Spirit, all you have to do is go into the Gospels and then you will see who, Jesus, who the Holy Spirit is. Read about Jesus and you will find out who the Holy Spirit is. Amen. So when Jesus says, I will allos another I will allos a comforter in, uh, in, in John 14, verse 16. He is literally telling you and emphasizing to you and I that, listen, the Holy Spirit and I are exactly the same. We are identical. If you have the Holy Spirit, you have me. That's what Jesus Christ is saying. No wonder when Paul was persecuting the church, and he met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. Jesus said to Paul, 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 why thou persecuted me? Why are you persecuting me? It is hard to kick against the thorns. Because he, Paul was persecuting people who had the Holy Spirit in them. And so Jesus Christ himself was being persecuted. And so he says, why are you persecuting me? Are we together? 
That is why what Jesus Christ was saying when exactly what he meant when he met Paul. Because who the Holy Spirit was in the church is who Jesus Christ is in the church, in, in, is inside of us. I will send another comforter. The word comforter there or helper is the word parakletos. This word is only used by John in the whole Bible. No one else uses this word. I could go why, to my reasoning why John goes to that extent of using this word. But because of time, parakletos simply, it simply means a comforter, an advocate, a counselor, a helper. It is one who comes alongside to help and is a source of help. That is who the Holy Spirit is. It has a legal, it's a legal term or it has a legal background in that it talks about an attorney or a lawyer. One who, who pleads your cause or your case. That is who the Holy Spirit is. And we all know that a lawyer or attorney will, will uh, speak on your behalf and you will give you counsel. That's what the lawyer will do. And the lawyer is very essential, especially when you have broken the law. He is very, very important. Or they are accusing you of breaking the law. He is even more important when it needs to deal with life or death issues. That's when the lawyer becomes very critical. And so the Holy Spirit is our defense attorney. And what, who does he defend us against? The one thing I can tell you that he does not defend us against Jesus Christ or the Father, God the Father. For in Romans 33, in Romans 8 verse 33, it says the following. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God. Who also makes intercession for us. So we can cancel those two out. God the Father is not condemning us. Jesus is not condemning us. There must be an accuser. And his name is Diablos. His name is Lucifer. His name is Satan. He is the accuser of the brethren. Amen. He comes to you and he accuses you. It may come as a shock or it might be a, a new revelation or realization for most of you. That when you got born again, you do continue to sin. You do continue to sin. And the sin that you do, for some of us, we think, ah, no, I'm over that thing called sin. You see, sin is not defined by through just lying, fornication, bribery. Those are the obvious things. What the Bible says about sin is that to him who ought to do something and does not do it, that is sin. That's the definition of sin. And it also goes on and says, if you do anything out of faith, it is sin. <laughs> so, without any hands raised, how many have sinned? <laughs> Amen. So the accuser comes 
and he accuses you. He brings, he, his, his role is to accuse you, whereas the Holy Spirit, his role is advocacy. The role of the, the devil is to condemn you, is condemnation, whereas the role of the Holy Spirit is to bring grace to you and to declare you righteous. That is the role of the Holy Spirit. So the, the devil will come before you. He will come before God the Father with fowls up to the ceiling. That proves that you are really indeed sinning. And when you go through those, and those fowls, though they're up to the ceiling, he also has a Bible on the side to prove that you are indeed sinning and you're breaking the law. He has verses. He knows the Bible more than you all do know. And he comes and to the Father, before the Father, and comes whilst you are in court also. And he gives a compelling closing statement as I'm about to close. He gives a compelling closing statement. And he says, here's the evidence that so-and-so is a sinner. He doesn't call you a righteous man. He says so-and-so is a sinner and he has broken the law and he deserves death and, and he deserves to be cursed. And as you look at that evidence, you also are in agreement. Yeah, I am. I'm deserving that. And as he sits down, it is clear as daylight that you deserve to be punished. And the Holy Spirit, listen, this is me giving you a picture. It really doesn't happen like this. Okay. The Holy Spirit stands up with no evidence, no paper, nothing to prove your innocence. And he stands up and he says to the judge, God the Father, not that God the Father is, is not privy or does not know about salvation. Okay. He knows about salvation. He says to the Father, I have only four words to say. And the Father says, thank you so much because we need to go for lunch. We are feeling cold. <laughs> and he says, these are my four words. Look to your right. And the Father looks to his right and sees Jesus Christ, the great high priest. And he takes his gavel, which is a lawyer's hammer, and he says, double jeopardy. This case was closed 2,000 years ago. Boom, throws the case out. And as you walk out of court, you are, you are confused and do not know what's happening. And the Holy Spirit says to you, you are in Christ Jesus. And because you are in Christ Jesus, you are the righteousness of God. And you cannot be tried twice. Amen. You see, the world, the devil can bring accusations to you. But just like what Jesus did to the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery, he said, he who has not no sin, let him be the first to cast a stone. And that's exactly the attitude and the spirit, the Holy Spirit deals with sin. 
does not mean that you should, we should continue to sin. But when we believe right, when we see what, how God deals with sin and, sin and how he deals with us, therefore, we can go out and sin no more. Just like Jesus said, if no one accuses you, therefore, go out and sin no more. Amen.